All right. Well, um, glad everybody can make it out. Good morning. Happy to see you here. I mean, basically what this what this tells me is you would like to take some steps forward on trying to be a good witness in the workplace for Christ. So that's encouraging to see you guys here. Uh, it lets me know that, that you're concerned about that. Um, I mean, because the world we live in is kind of bleak. Let's just be honest. It just continues to get worse, right? And Columbus, Georgia, Georgia, the U.S., uh, it, it's, it's going the wrong direction. So, it, but... But praise God, we can change that, right? We in this room, we can change that if we will uh, stand for Christ and, and each one of us win a co-worker. Um, but first of all, I want to say that uh, I'm no expert at this. Um, I've tried my very best to do that. I've brought several to, to church and witness, gave the gospel to multiple, multiple people. Um, but what I'm about to tell you is probably more out of what not to do I've learned over the years. So I'll formulate that into positive what to do. But I'm um, definitely no expert, but, um, but with God's help, I've, I've made that something I've really tried to do over the years. Uh, we're going to be in Proverbs 11.30, if you will just turn there real quick. Um, you know what, this is a short one, I'll just read it to you. Instead, we'll have you turn to Corinthians chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. But Proverbs 11.30, you may know this one, it says, He that winneth souls is wise. Um, and this verse has never been more true to me in my life. Um, just seeing our country go downhill, especially in the last few years when COVID hit, the church drew back, many churches did. And it was just amazing. I mean, it's astounding to me to see how fast the evil filled the void when the church pulled back. Um, and, and so what better way to influence people in the way they vote uh, than to convert a lost soul, right? So Proverbs 11.30 has never been more real to me. But today I want to give some practical advice on how to witness in the workplace the title of this lesson sounds a lot like a, a, a country and western song. Uh, it's called, Go Love Them, Live It, and Let Her Go. Before we get any further, let's pray. Lord, I love you so much. I thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to stand here before these men. And Lord God, uh, we as men of God are supposed to take the gospel to those around us. Lord, help us to be uh, manly men, godly men, and to uh, fight for our Savior and fight for our country and fight for our family. Because ultimately, there are consequences for not standing up for the Lord. Help me, I pray, to be clear in this presentation. May it be practical and a help to all in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> all right, so we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Go down to verse 22. Verse 22. To the weak became I as weak, that I might give, gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. So... This is a very uh, convicting verse, right? Because the point of this verse is you must change. You must change. I'm going to say that first of all. You must change. Um, if you're here this morning, I think that says that you're looking to change, right? You're looking to do something in your life to make you a better witness in the workplace. But by all means, we must change. We must do something to be different. And if we don't, uh, we continue to get the same results, right? Um, so to the weak became I weak that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means win some. So, so the point of this lesson is you must look at yourself and you must decide, hey, I'm willing to change, right? And if you're not willing to change, then the rest of this lesson is not going to help you, right? So, so I'm just pointing that out in the very first off is you must be willing to change. So the first point of this is you must love them, love them. Um, <clears throat> if you look at a person, you must have this this feeling of genuine love for them, love for their soul. And I'll tell you, it's it's hard sometimes because if you work with some of the knuckleheads I work with, it's easy to just downright 
not like them, okay? Um, but you have to get over that. You have to get to a point where you have um, this desire due to the love the Lord puts there to see that person saved. And and it's love is one of the best motivators, probably um, the best motivator, right? It's what caused Christ to go to the cross. But you must be motivated by this just genuine love that you have for them to see them come out of the darkness and into the glorious light. Because guess what? Someone loved us enough at one point to tell and share the gospel. And that's how we're here today, right? If you're a Christian, which I believe we all are. Um, but you you must love them. And part of loving them is to get past their sin. You must get past their sin. Now, many times people have a way of getting on your nerves and a sin especially uh, because, you know, you want to live, a, as a Christian, you want to live the right kind of life. And many times people in their sin nature around you makes it hard for you to do so, right? Because they're they're just big sinners, right? And and they, of course, want you to participate in the same sins as they are. But, um, but you're going to have to get past their sin. You're going to have to let it not bother you. And, and so... <clears throat> So, so how do you do that? Think about it from this standpoint that they're just sinners, right? They're just sinners. They, they are doing what they do. And apart from Jesus Christ, we would also be doing those things. And, uh, you know, there's a story of this lady um, who had pot, a pot-bellied pig. You know what pot-bellied pigs are, right? It's uh, these people that use an excuse to bring a wild, crazy pig in there. I mean, it's just a pig, okay? I don't care if it's got a pot-belly. Forgive me, it's just not my thing. If you have pigs in your house... God bless you, but I, but I, I'm not, I don't want a pig in my house, okay? But but she was all about this pig, and it was like her her child, and she treated it very much as a child, which is fine. But but one point, she dressed this thing up and got it all beautiful, had a little bow, it was all nice and, and prissy looking thing, and then she got a phone call, turned her back to take the phone call, and when she come back, the animal had done what it does. It's a pig, and it found something to get into it and knock the garbage over and was covered in the filth of the garbage. And so she was just really upset. Why did this pig do that? I mean, I had dressed you up so nicely. Um, it's a pig, right? <laughs> Your co-workers, if they don't know the Lord, they're just sinners. They, they don't know any better. They can't be uh, this nice, upstanding, moral person because they're sinners. So you need to, you need to understand that. Don't be put a, put off by their sin. Have sympathy for them. Um, you know, the best way I can think about having sympathy for someone is to realize that you know what that that was me. You need to think about it from that standpoint. Um, if if it wasn't for the grace of God, you would be still that person, right? Um, before I was saved, and I was well, I'm still a sinner, but before I was saved, I was an extremely big sinner, right? And I won't go into all that. But First um, Corinthians six eleven. Turn over the First Corinthians six eleven. It's not too far away. It says, and such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. In other words, such were some of you. Before you come to know Christ, you were just like that dirty, rotten sinner. So, so maybe if you think about those things when you're put off by their sinful habits and things they do at work, um, Think about it from that standpoint because you're going to need to get past their sins if you're truly going to share or if you're truly going to have a, a genuine love for their souls. So not only you must get past their sins, but you also you don't need to call them out when they are, are in their sin or when they're bragging about their sin. It's not a good idea, okay? You're just not going to make hay with that. First um, Corinthians chapter 2. Go over there, First Corinthians chapter 2. So if you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, 
The Bible says, I thank God that I baptized none of you, but, uh, excuse me, that's not it. Excuse me, go to 2.14. Sorry. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So the things of God, if you try to come at a sinner and you try to show them the things of the Bible, it's foolishness to them. They don't understand it. They're not going to get it. So if you start to call them out for their sins, it's, it's really not, really not going to put you in a good place to, to witness to them. You, you're going to have to first see them saved. Now after they're saved, you can have some expectations. Then you can take the Bible because they've been saved. They're a changed new Christian, a new new creature then you can take the bible and reason with them but beforehand you're not going to do anything you're going to seem a little bit judgy to them really is what you're going to see um my brother brian uh when he first started working at kaiser warren matter of fact he worked at kaiser warren years ago um that's what brought him to the area but um you know my brother is a good christian guy not perfect just like his brother but uh but he does love the lord and it would always bother him when he's sitting on the line and these guys were telling dirty jokes or they would talk about what they did over the weekend and they'd be bragging about these wicked fifthly sinful things they would do and it just bothered him and it got to a point where he finally just started calling them out man you can't do that you know i thought you said you was a christian and you know things like that and so he would call them out but really what it did is it just ostracized him and made him made them think he was a little judgy, and then he, so he lost some influence with him, right? Uh, again, a well-dressed pig is just a pig, right? So, but uh, but you must understand that, and don't really call him out. It's just not gonna it's just not gonna go well for you. Um, you know, one preacher even said this, and I think there's some truth. He said, "Don't get mad at them. This is the closest thing to heaven they're ever gonna get to, right?" And you kind of think about, it, oh, well, that's kind of sad. Um, but they're just living the best that they know how to live. And, and if we don't reach them, uh, this will be the best that they re- receive because um, they're going to end up in that bad place, right? Um, but another thing is, you know, America's lost its blush. You can't, you can't go to someone and, and call them out on their sin and shame them and say, oh, yeah, you're right, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be drinking and partying on the weekends. You, you're not going to do that, right? We're, as a country, we're way beyond that. You know, maybe 50 years ago you could call someone out and, and they would really say, oh, yeah, you're right, and they blush because maybe their mom was a Christian or, you know, but we're, we're kind of far removed from that, right? So you're not going to get them to blush. So it's not, your, it's not your job to try to be the Holy Spirit. And by the way, you're just not going to get them to blush. So, so, so don't call them out. It, it doesn't help the relationship building that you're looking to do. So practical ways to love them, practical ways that you can show love for your, your, uh, uh, for your coworkers. Um, first off is fill needs. If you see that they have a need, try to help them fill that need, right? Uh, be there for them if it's possible. If they have, you know, they, they have trouble at work. There's a guy I'm working with right now that um, um, he, he, he's not from this country, so he doesn't have the family support group. And his car, he's got a good car. It's a Civic, but the air conditioning is going out. And it's, it's just an air compressor. I, I know what it is. And I told him, I said, if you buy the parts, I'll change it for you, right? That was huge for him because, you know, it was going to cost him over $1,000 to pay some mechanic to do it. And uh, I said, look, you know, the compressor will be between two and $300, another $100 worth of Refreon, and we'll have you back on the road. And so just trying to fill a need for him is, uh, I pray, is going to give me a lot of inroads with him. I'm already starting to see, you know, the, the fact that I offered to do that really kind of helped the relationship. And, and I'm committed to that. As soon as spring hits, he's going to go buy the parts, and, and we're going to prayerfully take care of his car. But if you see a need, be there for him. Help them get through that need. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> there's a guy at my work that... Uh, 
I'm not going to use his real name because this is going to be recorded, but um, we have been at odds for years. And that's okay if he was just some, some guy that um, isn't my boss. At one time, he was my boss, though. And before he became my boss, we had a really big blow-up on the line. And, and uh, he was wanting to ship a product to the customer. And then I said, no, you can't ship that to the customer because it doesn't meet specifications. And, and man, he just made a big fuss and just blew up and was screaming and cussing on the line. And, and uh, long story short, he later became my boss. <laughs> And uh, but that was only for a short time. But long story short is, um, you know, you need to be kind to of these people just because, hey, they may become your boss one day. But anyway, so this gentleman, though, we had a lot of, a lot of time where um, we just kind of butted heads. But, you know, about four years ago, his, his brother died. His brother died. It was sudden. And his brother was not a young, not an old man at all. He was in his 40s. And um, it was very sudden. And uh, I made a point to go to his funeral, um, and that's that's one of the that's one of the ways that you can really love someone and show that love for them in a practical way. Is if there's a death in their family, set aside whatever you're doing and go to the funeral. Um, you know, even though we were at odds at times, he was so thankful for me being there. He hugged my neck, told me thank you for coming, and uh, just just a small way to show him, look, we care about you, man, we care about you. I know there's differences, but I care about you. As a Christian, I definitely care about you, right? So so. I'll tell you, there's a large number of funerals I've been to at work. I've actually been to more funerals at work than I have for people here at church. I'm ashamed to say, um, but it's just hard to get off from work and do that. So, um, but I made a point for those people at my work to make sure I do that because, again, I, I'm trying to invest in them, and it's just a way to show that you love them, that you care. So, if there's any either a death in the family, or if there's a need they have, try to fill that need. Also, for new people, uh, a lot of times there will be new people that come. If, if someone new comes in, especially in my case, a lot of times there's a lot of foreign people come in uh, into engineering and so forth. Uh, they don't have family. don't have anyone to help them. Put your arm around them and help them. Um, they don't know their way they're around. They don't know where the bathroom is. But if you put your arm around and say, hey, you know, I'm going to introduce you to the team, and you go around and you introduce them to everyone, you know, now they know when they have problem one, two, three, A, B, C, they know this is the person they go to, right? So you really help kind of onboard them and, and catapult them. It really helps them. And, and it's just a way to show some friendship to them. I mean, think about your first week on the job, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> where's the bathroom? Where's the coffee maker? I don't know what I'm doing. Help me out here. You kind of feel uh, sort of off kilter. Um, don't don't be like some people though. Um, there's this cartoon character Daffy Duck. There's this episode where uh, uh, someone wants him to help this young kid coming up, and he's like, "Why should I help him? Nobody helped me when I was new." <laughs> don't be like Daffy. Help someone out. Think about Barnabas. Barnabas brought Saul to the disciples after uh, Saul became Paul, right? And I mean. Think about it. They were like, whoa, this guy's been hauling people and Christians off and putting them in prison, and, and he was for stoning Christians, and, and hold on just a minute. So they were really pushing back on him, but Barnabas, uh, give him some credit, he took and invested in Paul, and he brought him into the fold. Um, Acts nine twenty six through 28, I'll read that to you. It says, and when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. And believe not that he was a disciple, right? I mean, they thought maybe he was just there to find out who the Christians were so that they he could have them put in jail, right? So, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the, the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him 
and how that he preached boldly in Damascus in the name of Jesus, and he was with them coming and going out at Jerusalem. Talk about an investment. So, so Paul um, changed the world. Barnabas gets some credit for that. Barnabas gets some credit for that because he brought him along and brought him into the fold. Uh, Barnabas is a really good example uh, of just putting your arm around someone and helping them. There was a guy named James Gong, a foreigner again, that came and, and, and worked at Kaiser. And, you know, he was, uh, he was a first-generation Christian, so he had just come from China. And, um, and, and, you know, he was just a good guy, kind guy. And, and I really tried to help him in a lot of ways, just be his friend and show him around, show him where things were, help him when he had a problem, connect him with the right people. And uh, it's, it's amazing how much that meant to him. And I could tell because he would start inviting me to his little family functions, like his daughter had a birthday. Of course, I had daughters of similar age, but he didn't have to invite me, right? And, and he invited us over to eat another time. We had him over to eat some. But just, just being a friend to them made a huge, huge difference. And, um, <clears throat> you know, he, he uh, came to church with us one time. He didn't join our church, but he did join a, uh, another church in the community that was Christian. Uh, but it was it was more around um, the Asian population was really a part of this church. But, uh, you know, who, who knows? Maybe I was a part of helping him find the Lord. He just ended up at a little bit different church. At least it was Christian and not ancestor worship or whatever he was into before. Um, but that brings me to the next point. Just make them your friend, right? Make them your friend. Um, you know, they don't have to be a new person for you to make them your friend. There are a lot of hurting people out there. There are a lot of people that are just experiencing things that you may never know. Um, and But just make it your mission for them to be your friend. There's another another guy. Um, he still works at Kaiser. I won't use his name, but uh, he, he was from an Indian background. And uh, <clears throat> I remember when he first came, I was really trying to practice this, what I'm telling you, and befriend him because I knew he didn't have any family or anything in the area. And uh, so at one point, I invited him to go hunting with me. And uh, this was like opening day, and I just thought he would say no. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I was trying to be kind. I was trying to in- invite him to something, and, and he said, yeah, he would like to do that. So so first day of season, it actually was cold that morning. Unlike these days, it seems like it's like hot. It's opening day. And uh, so he went with me. We drove way out in the country and um, climbed up into a tree, and he was not prepared for it to be so cold. So he was shivering, and it was funny. He would try to hide it. It'd be like real rigid, and then I would look off, you know, see if I saw something over here. And when I was looking away from him, he would shake, he would shiver, and he shook so hard the whole tree shook, you know. <laughs> and I laugh about it now, but that day I was not really happy. Okay, I was just not happy. We didn't see anything, but that's okay because it was just, it was just the first step to try to be a friend to this guy, and uh, and we're still friends today. Um, yeah, we need to get together again. He got married since then, and I really need to get together when he's a good guy. And uh, we've had a lot of conversations about the Lord. I've I've shared with him Christ, and uh, we talked about some of the differences in and um, you know the 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 Hindu I guess it is religion there. He um, uh, he encouraged me to read a book. Uh, it's basically I think the name of the book is uh, How to Make a Man, and it's basically a, a summary of the the Hindu faith. And of course, I gave him the disciple book which is a, a really good book pastor's going through right now. And uh, just, just being a friend to him, try to help him along. Because it's <clears throat> it's a long game, guys. You're, you're playing a long game here. Um, because you get to work with them. They get to see you. It, it's like, you know, they're going to know you to some respect. So it's a long game that you're playing. Remember, you're witnessing to them as you're at work. So And it needs to affect how you behave around them. Um, <clears throat> and, it, and it may get disappointing along the way. 
but but stick to it. They may disappoint you, but keep sticking to it because again, it is the long way, the long game. Um, so so first off, to witness in the workplace, you need to love them. You need to love them. But secondly, you need to live it. You got to live it. Uh, you got to pull your own weight. First point. Got to pull your own weight. So so if you're known at work for not pulling your own weight, you're not going to be able to have inroads with people. Matter of fact, if, if you're kind of known for being lazy, maybe you shouldn't tell people you're a Christian. <laughs> I'm just going to say that, okay? Because it's a poor testimony, right? When they see you, they need to understand, yeah, this guy works hard and he pulls his own weight. Um, don't let people tell dirty jokes around you. Again, these, these are practical things, but don't let people tell bad jokes and, and use foul language around you. Um, it, you should stop them from doing that. Um, you can do it in a kind and, and, and good-mannered way, good-natured way, right? Um, I would say things sometimes like, hey, guys, keep your PG around here. You know, you don't want to hurt my virgin ears. <laughs> or I got tender ears or something like that. Or I might say, um, brother, this is, a, this, is a T, this is a PG zone over here. This area is PG zone. You can take that rated R stuff somewhere else. You know, say it in a kind and, and funny way, but you let them know, hey, that's not cool. Um, or I, I would say things like this sometimes. I would say, is that a technical term? That's a technical term you just said there. I've never heard that. That's that's a technical term, man. Do you have to use technical terms? Um, and then one time there was this gentleman. <clears throat> he used GD all the time, and man, that flew all over me. And so I, I was a little more forceful with that, and I would say, does it have to be GD? Does it have to be GD? I mean, come on, can't you use some other words? And, um, and if they don't stop, I just walk away. Um, in one example in particular, I worked at this company called Lucent Technology right out of uh, college. And uh, Lucent made fiber optic cables at the time. They don't anymore. They sold it. But, but anyway, I had to work with this guy. His name was Robert. And Robert was a line supervisor. And my job was to come out there and, and help fix the line and find problems with the line. And he had a foul, foul mouth. <clears throat> and then one day he was talking to me about this machine, this blankety-blank machine, and he was going on, and he used the GD, and I was so mad, and he just kept saying it. And finally, I said that to him. I said, Robert, does it have to be GD? I mean, come on, every other word, does it really have to be that? And he paused for a minute, and he got red in the face, and he looked at me, and he said, I'll say any blankety-blank-blank blank thing I want to say, like that. And, uh, and I just, I was mad, of course, I was all red, and... Um, Thankfully, I didn't say anything I shouldn't, but I looked at him and I pointed my finger in his face and I said, look, you and I have to work together and I'm not going to listen to this filthy. And I turned around and walked away. Well, the next day, I come back out there and I was afraid of what it was going to be like. And Robert came up to me and he shook my hand and he said, I'm very sorry. I shouldn't talk like that. You're right. I'll never talk like that again. And some of the ladies on the line pulled me aside later and, uh, and thanked me for, for standing up like that. Apparently, it was really ruining the line because he was like that with everyone, and the ladies in particular. And, uh, and apparently, they also shared with him their displeasure in his language, and he decided, you know, i got to stop this, and he, he cleaned it up, right? So you, you have some influence over people. Many times, you don't even know it, but don't let them, don't let them talk filthy around you. Um, if you let them talk filthy around you, you're, you're implicated in it, right? You're basically complicit in it. So don't let them do that. And then here's one that Lord really, really worked on my heart when I first came to Columbus, Georgia. Um, and, and again, this was all from the Lord because I didn't want to do it. Pray over your meals. Pray over your meals. And uh, it seems like a little small thing, but, but that's something that God just whooped me about. Um, and, and in the beginning, I, I was... I was uh, you know, I was chickening out. I would, I would like pray over my meal like this. 
scriptures. You know, I'd bow my head, close my eyes, and just pause for a second. And, and you know, they could probably see my lips turning, you know, as I'm praying to God silently. And God's still beat on me. He says, no, that's not what I told you to do. You're supposed to pray over your meal. And so um, and so I started, I started saying, hey, <clears throat> would you guys mind if I would pray over the meal right quick? And pretty much all the time, people will say, sure, yeah, go for it, you know. And they may not exactly join in, but they'll be respectful enough to let you pray. And then and then pray, right? Just pray out loud. Pray in earnest. Don't make it a long prayer, but acknowledge God. He brought the food. Thank Him for His blessings. Maybe if you know something about their life, something they're struggling with, you might say a quick prayer for them. Bless Bill because I know his wife's sick or something like that. And then end it, and you guys eat. Um, and again, Lord beat up on me about that until finally I started getting into a habit of it and then came the day I went out to lunch with my boss at the day that day and uh and then I struggled with it on the way over there I'm like it's just he and I am I gonna pray over the meal you know and the whole way he's talking carrying on and I'm just kind of like not saying much you know because in my mind I'm praying and I'm like Lord and uh and so yeah and when we got there I just stopped and said would you mind if I prayed for the food and you know and he was thankful for it and and of course Whew, I could eat my meal in comfort now that I prayed out loud, right? And so, um, and ever since then, I've, I've really made that a thing I do. Uh, I Every time the Lord gave me a new boss, I made sure and prayed in front of that new boss, even up to the general manager and VP of the company. Uh, matter of fact, now, um, if we go out uh, to eat or something, or he invites people out to eat, uh, he always pauses and says, Hey, Richard, won't you bless the food? So you got the general manager of the company asking me to pray. And I thought, Praise the Lord, that's awesome. So, but um, but when you do that, people, you're basically trying to live it in front of them. These small things, many times, are a way for people to see that you're a Christian, and they'll be drawn to you. And one time, it actually saved me from hiring a nightmare. Okay, there was this gentleman. We were we had an engineering opening, and uh, this guy was like highly decorated. He was an Iranian, uh, but he was Muslim, right? Okay, but his resume was phenomenal, and I prayed about. It. I was like, Lord. You know, and, and I felt peace about having the guy in an interview. And I'm like, you know, I can't, I can't not hire the guy because of who he is. If he's got the skills we need, I'm going to have a terrible company if I if I discriminate against someone because I think they they may not be a Christian or they may be an Iranian. Or you know, I can't be, I can't be like that, right? I need good engineers. And so, I mean, he he was like a like a fluids engineer. He studied impellers and stuff on, uh, you know, um, airplanes. So I was like, okay. So we brought him in. And we interviewed him, <clears throat> and my boss at the time, the director of engineering, went with us. And and I said, hey, would you mind if we prayed over the meal? And, ah, sure, in my country we pray. So we prayed, and he was good with everything I said until the end when I said, and in Jesus' name, amen. And when we got done, he reared up like this, and he began to chop and bite at the end of every word. In my country, we pray, but we do not say in Jesus' name like that. And I was like... Well, buddy, here in my country, we pray in Jesus' name. I'm a Christian like that. And the rest of the meal, as you can imagine, was very hard to swallow, <laughs> okay? We got back to the office. My, my boss, the director of engineering at the time, says, yeah, I just don't think that guy's going to work out. What do you think? I said, yeah, I agree. He's not going to work out. <laughs> we, we basically we, we took his resume and shredded it. Um, it, so, so it really has blessed me. Sometimes I think maybe that I'm even where I'm at at the company just because of honoring the Lord like that. Um, but uh, you got to love them. You got to live it. <clears throat> um, so you got to pull your weight. You got to be a Christian. You got to keep the foul language down. You got to reach out to them, find ways to help them. So you love them. You live it. And then the last part 
of the country and western song title is You Gotta Let Her Go. Um, if you're old enough to know who Farley Taylor is, anyone ever heard of Farley Taylor? Nobody's old enough. Farley Taylor um, in Tennessee, they would talk about, let her go, boys, and then they play some crazy old-timey song. Anyway, okay, never mind. This, this, uh, that reference is too old for this group. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> so anyway, the point is, he was just telling them to go. He'd say, let her go, and they would just tear it up on the banjo or whatever. All right, so you got to love them, you got to live it, and then you got to let it go. What do I mean by that? You got to open your mouth, and you've got to say the words to tell them about Jesus and how to be saved. You can live it, you can love them, but at the end of the day, you've got to open your mouth, and you've got to give them the gospel. Um, you know, if you, if, you, if you really live it, but you keep your mouth shut, eventually they'll just, they'll just think you're weird. Um, so, so an example of that is my son Colt and my daughter Grace making friends. So <clears throat> all, all growing up and even still now today, my daughter Grace is just very much a, a people person. And um, we took her out somewhere. Uh, it was for her birthday in January. Her birthday's in January. And she always said she wanted a pool party. For a birthday, I'm like, well, baby, your 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 birthday's in January. We can't have a pool party, so um, so my wife found this place somewhere outside of Atlanta, a nice hotel, and they had uh, an indoor swimming pool. And, oh, this would be the greatest thing ever. No one's really going to be thinking about swimming anyway because it's January, and and so we went there and we thought we we're going to have some privacy as a family, and so we went there, and that was kind of her family birthday party one year. She was probably only about five or six. I don't remember the age, and. Uh, so we get there, and indeed, we were the only ones there except for one other couple who had a young boy and girl, and they just happened to pair up perfectly with Colton Grace's ages. First thing Gracie does, she goes over there, Hi, I'm Grace. Want to play? <laughs> she introduced herself, made friends immediately, and they played for the next two hours. My son, instead of opening his mouth and saying, Hi, I'm Colt, want to be friends, he began to try to do things to impress the boy. Show him how he could swim just this way. And he would jump in the water and try to do these flips. And, and ultimately, he started putting the boy off. He's like, why are you jumping right here in front of me? And, you know, it just he looked weird to the kid, right? And finally, the kid was like, Mommy, I don't like this boy, you know. But it was because he wouldn't just open his mouth and have the conversation, right? It's the same way sometimes I think with Christians, right? We, we want so much for them to be saved and we want to do the right things. But at the end of the day, you, you've got to open your mouth and you've got to give them the gospel. They're not going to read the Bible, and that's where the Word of God is. So you've got to give them the Word of God. You've got to open your mouth, and you've got to let her go. So the best thing I know to do for that is to, <clears throat> is to write out your testimony. Write out your personal testimony of how you got saved. Uh, it needs to be about a two-minute pe personal testimony. Don't make a big, long, drawn-out thing. You can make it longer if you feel the Lord leading, but, but be able to give your testimony in just about a two-minute span. Um, because you never know when you're going to meet someone and, and you feel the um, Holy Spirit telling you, urging you to share the gospel. And when you give your personal testimony, it's a story they've never heard. And so they'll be interested in it. Um, <clears throat> and if you were in our Sunday school meeting last week, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll know about the power of stories. I talked about that. But, um, and then finally, they just want to know about you because they do work with you and they don't know you, and you sharing a personal story is a way for them to get to know you better. So they're going to be all ears. And in there, obviously, you're going to have how you got saved. Put some scripture in there as well so that when you're giving your personal testimony, you are, in effect, giving them the salvation testimony of how to get saved. Um, but you're going to have to do it. And, it. and it's one of those things where the devil fights you on it, and you feel embarrassed, and you feel weirded out about it. Uh, but, but get your two-minute testimony together. That's why you write it down. Memorize it and practice telling it. Um, 
we did this as a part of the um, soul winning group. Brother Denny, and years ago, used to have like this soul winning class. Every uh, six months, he would have a soul winning class. It was a great thing. I, I would recommend you guys take something like that. But one of the things they absolutely hammered on was this idea of a two-minute testimony. Be ready to just let her go on a plane. I can't tell you how many times on a plane there's been someone who's been talkative. I witnessed this one, this one lady. Um, I was flying to Montana, or actually Salt Lake, and as you might have guessed, she was a Mormon. Mormon, 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 yes, she was. And she was very open. She was trying to convert me, and I was trying to convert her. And at some point, it was a, it was a very good conversation. But man, I just was able to give her the gospel, and she was intrigued by it. And then we, she wanted to talk about the differences between the different religions. But, but always be ready <clears throat> to be able to share the gospel with someone. Two-minute testimony. Practice it. Get ready to just let her go. Um, <clears throat> and then, of course, invite them to church functions. Anytime there's a church function, invite them to it. Um, that's one of the reasons in Sunday school we, we push for having activities. Um, countless times um, we have people who make contact in an outing and decide, hey, these people aren't too bad. you know. And then they'll come to church Next thing you know, if you can get them to Sunday school and they make some contacts in Sunday school, and it's just a way to bring people in. And, and, and you know, if you can't find a good special Sunday, just, just tell them, it's a big Sunday this Sunday. I want you to come visit with me. We'll go out to eat. I'll take you out to eat afterwards, something like that. But make sure that you invite them to church and, uh, and do it in just a kind way. But um, <clears throat> sometimes you get one-on-one opportunities with people. And in those one-on-one opportunities, is a really good time to, to take the conversation to the spiritual side. Um, but look for those one-on-one opportunities too. You might just go down and say, hey man, let's go grab some lunch. I've done that a bunch of times. Um, I, I need to start a list. I used to have a list years ago. <laughs> it was basically everyone in the department, and I wanted to make sure I shared the gospel with each one of those people in the department. I need to make that list again because we've had a lot of new people, and the department has really flipped over, and I need to just take them and say, hey, let's go grab lunch um, and look for that one-on-one opportunity. After meetings sometimes, it can be uh, just a time before people go back to their office, whatever, find that maybe if it's just you in the meeting room, you can talk to them. I've, I've had that happen before and just share the gospel with them. Um, at lunch, as I already said, car rides. This is... um. <clears throat> This is a really good one. In recent years, um, I've had to travel more with the company. So here you are with this guy, and you're in a car. He can't get out. <laughs> you got him for the next hour as you drive to the airport in Atlanta, and uh, and you just take the take the conversation there, and just witness to him there in the car, and uh, <clears throat> and you'll be surprised how much people like that. They may not, they may not accept it. But you'll be surprised at how people respect you for caring enough to share with them. Because think about it. Your religion says that if you don't get saved, well, the Bible says, if you don't get saved, you end up in a place called hell. How could you be a Christian and not share that message with someone? So they appreciate the fact that, hey, you do believe I'm going to hell, and you love me enough to share the gospel with me. It matters. Um, several people that I, that I have had friction with after we share the gospel, it's... Um, we're like friends after that. It's just a mutual respect that they have. Also, while you're working, like sometimes there's jobs that take two people, and you know maybe you work on a line and there's a station that you work with. I don't know. I don't know all the backgrounds in here, but um, <clears throat> many times men can pass the time just by just talking a little bit while they work. Matter of fact, that's the only way my dad will really spend time with you is if you're working. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I learned that after he moved to this town that if I really want to hang out and spend some time with my dad, I can't invite him over to the house. We do that all the time. He comes over, 
He eats and then they're gone. <laughs> okay. If I want to spend some quality time with my dad, with my dad, I have to say, "Hey, dad, what you working on? You know, let me come help you." Or, um, "Hey, I'm working on this thing," and he's very kind to come help me with things. And while we work, to just just talk, just talk. The same way you can share the gospel with someone, just working alongside and talking, and then carrying that conversation to spiritual matters and sharing the gospel. <clears throat> so. Trying to be very practical, trying to be very practical uh, for you guys. Um, you know, it's going to take guts to stand up for the Lord. It does. For whatever reason, we get fearful. The devil, uh, you know, torments us and being fearful. Uh, but but we have to be manly, manly men, right? God's men, and we need to we need to play the men. Second uh, Samuel ten verse twelve says, "Be of good courage, and let us play the men for our people and for our cities." of our God and the, and the Lord do that which seemeth good, um, doeth good, seemeth him good. So, gentlemen, um, we have to be men. We have to go play the men. It's hard. It's scary sometimes to share the gospel. The devil always will put in your mind, well, how will they react? And will they take me to HR? Play the man. Play the man. My, <clears throat> we, we have a country that's void of men. We really do. Um, I, with all my heart, I tried to raise my son to be a man, and I remember one 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 example in particular. Um, <clears throat> there was a drainage problem in our septic in the old house that we used to live in, and the root had grown up in there and really just gummed everything up. And I thought, hey, I got a twelve-year-old boy. Why am I out here axing at this thing? So I say, come out here, son. And uh, and and I I I threw the axe at it a bunch, and then I gave the pickaxe to him and let him pick at it, and and I was. I basically came to myself and said, you know what, I'm just going to let him do it. And I'm going to supervise because he needs to learn how to do something hard. And at some point he got all red in the face and frustrated and wanted to quit. And this verse came to mind. I said, no, no, son. And I looked it up on my phone. I said, look, you, you need to play the man. You've got to work hard. You need to be of good courage. Don't let that root beat you. <laughs> I remember my dad used to say that a lot. Son, are you going to let that beat you? <laughs> like I'd be working on a car and I couldn't get the nut off. And he's like, son, are you going to let that whoop you? You gonna let that beat you? You know, I mean, it, and it, and it sounds kind of mean, but it's like I need to hear that. No, I'm not gonna let that beat me. I'm a man. I'm gonna be the man here. I'm gonna whoop it. And so, um, the same way it goes for sharing the gospel, guys. You have to be the man. You have to stand up for our country because I'm telling you, it's going in the toilet. It's going to hell. Let's just be honest. And if we as men don't stand up and play the men. Our, our country is going down, and, and that has consequences. I have, I have children. I have brothers. I have family, and, um, and, and we need to convert souls. He that goeth forth and wins souls is wise, the Bible says in Proverbs 11.30. So let's pray. Lord, I love you so much. I thank you, God, for this opportunity to stand here. And, Lord God, just give some practical things on, on how to work and how to witness in the workplace. Lord God, just help us as men, uh, Lord, not to be bound up in fear, but to be fearless, to play the men, to do what is hard, to accomplish the goals that you have for us, to see lives changed, to see lives converted. Lord, we need Christians in this country to stand up. Help us to play the men. Eyes closed, head bowed, nobody looking around. Is there anyone here to say, Brother Richard, I want to play the man. I want, I want to meet the challenge made to me today, and I want to make sure that I witness to those uh, around me by all means that I would change so that I may all by all means win some. Is there anyone like this? Here's my hand. Pray for me. 
I say all those hands. Thank you for that. Lord, love you again. Thank you for this opportunity to stand here, to part the word, and then to share my heart with these men. Lord, may we play the men every day in our workplace, convert those lost souls, not just so that they can miss hell, but also, Lord God, so that we can change the world. And Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.